All right, family. Thank you so much for being here again. We are on Documenting Dreams with none other than myself, Janelle Haynes, founder of Just Be LLC. Also, you're president of Eagle 7 Early Risers Toastmasters. We meet every Saturday at 8 a.m. online. And today I have an extra special guest, someone who has cloned the name or coined the name rather, Food Fighter. And his name is Nick Robertson. He is one of my homeboys and known him since the sixth grade. So it's crazy that we are in this place and to know that you are continuing to do great things in the community. So I'm excited for our Dreamer community uh, to hear what you are doing in the city of Raleigh, North Carolina, the city that we both grew up in and so much has changed. And so what I would like for you to do is tell us about what it means to be a founder of what Raleigh Relief Project is and what it means to be a food fighter um, in the city of Raleigh. All right. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Um, so yeah, I'm the founder of the Raleigh Relief Project and um, <clears throat> it's basically a project designed to <clears throat> fight the ills of what's going on in our community right now. And the way I look at it, um, every community has different needs, different obstacles, um, different type of people. So every community, every region, every individual, every family has to be cared for and looked for specifically with the care and service that they need. And um, that was the design of our project um, to be a moldable, changeable, adaptable, organic service project that is designed to take care of the people who need the most help and to give them the exact resources that they need. <clears throat> and we do that by partnering with other nonprofits and agencies like um, just different mental health agencies, different healthcare facilities, other food pantries, um, substance abuse entities and facilities like that, just <clears throat> trying to in scope a whole parachute of service okay. around people and individuals who need it. And um, just basically to make a long story short is partnering everybody that's in service and making them part of the same fist. That's you know it. yeah no that's awesome so what what is happening in the city because you know now I've, I've moved away actually it's crazy to think i've been away for almost 15 years and you know i hear about it because i still have people there but tell me exactly what do you see from your vantage point that's helping that's happening i have seen i just i saw like three people just laying out in the middle of the street today alone mm. like one guy looked like he was dead on the side of the road um, like all of the hotels and stuff we used to party in, we were kids that filled with homeless people now. Mm. And <clears throat> a lot, a lot of the fall, I, there, there's no, there's no structure for these people. Mm -hmm. There's no, um, no safety net for them. Yeah. There's nobody that cares about these people that are on thin ice. Mm. And um, anybody that's in the service world or nonprofit world, you know, like when you talk about funding and getting the resources that you need, everybody is fighting for the same resources. Getting government funding, donors, grants, and all of that stuff, it takes a lot out of you. So with these people for the same same pocket of money, yeah. But yeah, we're all in the same bucket. Yeah. And I have a guy who is about some money. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, in this type of in this type of service, money is usually the hardest part. So yeah, yeah, I'm trying to make it so money is the easiest part. So mm. once we get this money flowing, um, 
we're going to fund ourselves. So I, I'm tired of um, knocking on the government's door and not getting an answer. Um, it's a bunch of parks and stuff being built around here, but like <clears throat> nothing that can really help anybody. Mm. So um, we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to take yeah. care of ourselves and try to be a model of change of, of just how to serve and fight for people. Yeah. So what, where did that come from for you? Where, where did that, what stirred in you that said, I need to create this thing, this, this place of relief? A lot of it was just organic, man. Um, throughout the pandemic, before I got promoted at my old job, I was just dead set on raising like raising some money and creating our own program, a new program that could take care of more people and all this and all of that. And I was just like, people need help right now. So mm-hmm. started doing the work in communities that people historically haven't been poured into. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a, a sense of just being tired, I'm tired of knocking on people's doors, tired of waiting on people to give us handouts and donations and all of that. It's like, we have to go find another way to fight. Because um, when you talk about food distribution, um, not just food distribution, like things nonprofits do, service world, helping out people with mental health problems, it's such a waiting game for everything. Mm. Everything is just, you, you're at the mercy of the city, at the mercy of the state, at the mercy of the county, mm-hmm. at the mercy of the mayor and the city council and everybody. And most of these people don't even care anyway. Mm. So um, we're gonna make the hard part the easy part. And once we get the money, um, I, I'm, I'm des- I have designed this to be an, an, an exhaustive program through the things that I've learned. Sometimes you can learn what not to do and how not to be as a leader yes. and as an organization. That's the so, best lesson. That's the yeah. best lesson. Yeah. 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 So one thing I'm carrying home with me and I want everybody, if I get above it, please check me. My organization will never be bigger than the people we serve. Man, you are saying so much right now. So I, I don't know if you do know, but the BE in my business name is Boldly Educate. And the reason why I named it that is because we have to be able to speak boldly about mm-hmm. those things we're passionate about so that people will jump in and help. And so yeah. I feel like what you're doing is being very bold. And I'm excited because, you know, now I can let people know, you know, that's the purpose of this podcast. There's so yeah. many people out here with dreams and they need to be shared. And I'm just honored that you're, you're here so that people can hear it. And know and understand that it's not just happening where you are, it's happening everywhere. And we need more people who are ready to be bold and create things to happen, to make things happen and not wait, wait, right? And so- can't wait. No, and if you have an idea, just just do it. You know what I mean? Just just try it. And nine times out of 10, I had this conversation in, in one of my other podcasts. You know, I'm a visionary, right? And so generally, what happens with visionary you find yourself meeting process people or you know people that are you know poking holes in your ideas which is great right but (laughs) yes but that's not a that's not a bad thing but I will tell you my greatest lesson came from this person um, on my previous podcast and when you are doing and serving working in your gift or like I, I like to say walking in your gift God will bring mm-hmm. the people to you that'll make that vision come true. And, and the Absolutely. lesson 
I learned that lesson through that person. It was like, dang, like I, it was something as simple as a hairstyle I wanted her to do. And I remember mm-hmm. like, oh, it was cute or whatever, but I was trying to guide her and tell her how I wanted it because I could do, do hair too. And yeah. while it was cute, I still felt like I was limited in her vision. You know, yeah. but I, you know, I'm reminded every day as a visionary and someone who was a believer that God will put people in your circle to help that mm-hmm. vision come through, which leads me to my next question. So this is your dream and this is the thing that you are, you know, ha- happening through you. And who who is the person that's in, in the in the background that's getting the least amount of credit while you're doing this work? Who is the person in, you mean in my life? Yeah. Who, getting the least amount of credit? Yeah, that's like pushing you to do this thing, but you haven't necessarily oh, said. Oh, my mother. Things. My mother, man, she she's my backbone. Um, the lessons that I've got from my parents, like like when he was talking about, like I don't care if my if I'm around my kids are 45, I'm still mm-hmm. there for them. Yeah, like absolutely, just having great parents and a great support system. Yeah, um, I, I posted this on Facebook the other day too. Like people don't put the appreciation on that because some when you talk about having great parents. Um, a great support system, having great friends. Mm-hmm. Some people have none of that at all. True. At all. And 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 I mean that's a serious hindrance. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like the person, the person with the cure for cancer just might not have support. You know? To p- keep pushing them to come up with the, the, the cure, right? When yeah. it gets hard. So it's yeah. yeah. No, you you trying to take over my interview, but you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no I'm, I'm sorry no 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 but it, it's funny because like this is this is a good thing you know things come up and then you keep going on from that thing that comes up yeah. but I do want to know you talked about not having friends um, or people in, doing things and they don't have the support they need I absolutely know you have the support you need and if you had to think about it from a sports context like who's in your starting five who are the people who are you know holding you accountable you don't have to name them but maybe name some of their attributes you know I like to say I have my elite eight like all my listeners know I got an elite eight right and those people have done different things and had different purposes so if you had to name and you have to name eight it might be five six might be three who are those people or what are their attributes um (laughs) so I got my girl EC Right. <laughs> you know, look, me. Uh, I would call her. What would I call her? Um, I would just call her my partner in crime because it's like you need somebody. Both of us dislike the same people, mm-hmm. so we go on a crap talking <laughs> fest together. Yeah. Like, yo, I got, I, I got some people. Like, I got some people to talk about. You I, don't have me on speaker right now. Please. Right, right, right. That's we, funny. We. we and you know, both and honestly, both of us have been wrong a lot, like, mm-hmm. and, and and our careers mm-hmm. because you you know her and you know me, like, yeah, you know we have like dominating personalities, yeah, and you know especially with this color skin that that really don't go well to a lot of people, so we rub a lot of people the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know, and we have we have to rely on each other, man, mm-hmm. to you know realize that, you know. I know who I am without somebody telling me who I am. Right. You know? um, Which is funny because I think most people would argue that you were pretty quiet. 
Oh, you don't, you don't, you, see, I've been through some things. You don't know. You don't know the growing up me, especially like the past three years, man. Oh my God, mm. I've been raising Tupac. Been raising out of me the past three years, like mm. just dealing. Um, I'm telling you, this, this whole this whole racial walk mm -hmm. has really, really put um, has put some some real. My teeth has never been have never been this sharp, but it's just like. I can't let the emotions get away from me because, man, this is about us yeah. as a people yeah. um, making this walk. Like I'm, I'm, I'm standing up for some people, and that's like one of the reasons why I lost my job was standing mm. on something that mattered. And and it's just, it's amazing to me how many fake people there are in this world mm -hmm. because being real makes you look aggressive. So it makes you look like you're causing problems and all of that. And it's just like, oh, I'm taking care of these people that y'all aren't willing to stand up for. Right, right. Like, why? Are we, but, this is why we're here. Like, why are we not serving the purpose for why we're here? Yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. Um, we got, I, I'll be honest. Like, my, my, I, don't, I don't really have, when you talk about support, mm -hmm. I'm really, really lonely right now. Mm. I'm really, really, and I, I can't even be fake about it, you know? Mm -hmm. What so, is... Um, why do you feel that? Like, what is it that makes you lonely? Um, with the realm that I'm in, that I'm walking in, there are not a lot of successful black men in this situation. Okay. And most of those are usually like college boys and all of that and square, mm -hmm. square, and, and you know, that's not me. <laughs> and, um, it's but, just, um, um huh? I, I might not know you, but I know you. And what I do know is that you were once on that, yeah. I'm gonna say square path, if you will, but you have always been an intellect, you know what I'm saying? And I think it's interesting, we, we are in a similar place, but I know there came a point probably when we were both too cool for school, right? So mm -hmm. you know, we were in mm -hmm. the, the gifted classes and all of that, but you know, the social thing became much mm -hmm. more important. And so we saw ourselves take a, take a shift. You know, mm -hmm. academically and even in, and socially to some degree, we were being social, but that social circle looked different. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, you still had some of the same friends, but the desire to feel socially important yeah. got us away from that path. So I'm only saying that to say, you got some square in you, brother. <laughs> no, but listen, but, but what I want to explain to you is like, I'm too black at work. But I'm not black enough for the hood either. You see what I'm saying? You see me yeah. in my suit. I, I was over um, at Red Fool on Raleigh Boulevard a couple of months ago. And uh, I don't know if y'all had a black Israelites down there in Georgia, but they up here deep. They're black Israelites up here. Yeah, deep. they were the purple and gold. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he was trying to tell me about myself because I had a suit on. And, and, and you know, he's sitting here yapping and all of this. Uh, it's a crowd forming around us and everything. Yeah. I'm like, yo, yeah. my guy. Like, yo, you standing right where my homeboy got shot in the face at, yo, and I was right here when it happened. Yeah. So, like, you talking to the wrong person. You don't so know it's me. like, mm -hmm. yeah, I have the best of both worlds, but I get judged by every single world, though. Yeah. You see what huh? I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, I don't, <laughs> that was part of the social I, struggle. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a tribe right now. Mm. But we're forming that, though. You know, that's that takes yeah. some time. Yeah. So. I mean, is that? So let, let's kind of break it down too, though. Is that professionally and personally, 
the combination of both or, you know, because you said as a black man, you feel lonely. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, you know, is that, is that both? And, and It's both. It's both. Okay. Because, you know, like, I, <laughs> yeah, my story, I, I'm like, so, you know, me and the mother of my kids, we broke up like four years ago. So I'm like mm-hmm. alone, alone. You know what Got I mean? It. Professionally, yeah. personally, all of that. Gotcha. So, um, I don't know, but at the same time, you know, it's just like God is saying, like, it's time for me to do some work. That's why I'm alone, because I got so, some work to do. Well, yeah, and that's part of your story, right? So that that's one of my questions I have. You you know, um, where would you, if you were going to have somebody tell your story, or if you are going to tell your story, at what point in your life would you start the story? The very beginning. Like, I'm so misunderstood. Like, yo, y'all got to hear this from the very beginning, because you're you going to miss some parts, and people... <laughs> You, I mean, I'm telling you, you have, yeah. I, I, and the, the one of the main reasons why I don't judge people, because I get judged all the time. So what's Just the like beginning? Talk, the, September 12th, 19th, nah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I ain't gonna go that far back. Uh, you know what, I'm not gonna say the very beginning, I would probably say, um, probably my teenage years, because that was like the most transformative and like, um, I have some um, some hallmark memories and milestone memories before that, but when you talk about what we do now, like a lot of that started back then. Because it's like, you know, you know what we used to be, um, dealing with drug addicts. Um, I call them the undesirables, those type of people. Like these are the people I grew up with. So they're just like regular people to me. Yeah, you know, so in a know, neighborhood away, it wasn't like they were, you know, untouchable. Exactly, they were exactly, away. exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, I mean, it created a sense of normalcy for these people. For me, the people, mm-hmm. you know, that people have disdain for. You know, like a guy, I was over there the other day in front of the Chinese store. This guy walked up on me there, and he was like having a manic episode, mm-hmm. and he was just like, man. I'm about to rob somebody right now. I'm about to rob somebody. I was about to rob my window like, look, bro, you better back up on me. You ain't gonna rob me. <laughs> right. But oh, like man. he was going through it, man. And I, you know, I gave him a little bit of money and everything. Yeah. And it, it brought him, it brought him back down, you know. Yeah. But it was just these are the type of people that people don't even take time to even talk to or listen to true. or understand or anything. <laughs> So that, do you feel like that, that's your, do so you feel like that, that is your purpose? Uh-oh. Um, to, to help people understand the misunderstood? Yeah, I, I spread love. What biggest spread love is the Brooklyn way. It's mm-hmm. the godly way. Like when you, yeah. when you talk about people preach, 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 just be kind to people. And that would, that, that's a, that, that that's showing people that you can give to people without judging them, mm-hmm. without feeling a certain way and all of that. That's a lesson in itself without even saying a word. Mm. Just be a cheerful and giver. Just, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just all about spreading love, man, and being kind to people. Like when you yeah. talk about spirituality, religions, all of this, all of that, everybody say that this and they're that until you call your God a different God. Now y'all are enemies. I don't care what you call your God. Mm-hmm. How do you treat people? 
Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you call your guy. How do you treat people? Mm-hmm. Like what 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 thoughts? And, and I, I don't even have bad thoughts. Like it's a couple mm-hmm. of people I want to punch in the face, but it's like when you talk about like devious, dirty, down low stuff that people do and people think. I don't want to do anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. I just want to live say- my life, man. So is that your personal mission? Just to, is that is your personal mission to show people how to treat other people? Yep. Because hey, look, the world got it wrong. Mm. The world got it wrong. Um, I, I think everybody is wrong. Like how how men are treated and how women are treated. Mm-hmm. Um, just with men, like we're taught from toddlers on up to not cry not do this not do that don't show any emotion and then you end up with, with a grown man that doesn't understand how to articulate his emotions yep. yep and there are so many men out here like that they can't even tell you how they're feeling yep and um i remember the first i, I was think i've been thinking about this for a long time um i was 38 years old the first time i physically said my feelings are hurt I was sitting in the bed, like, just say it. My feelings are hurt. Mm. I almost threw up when I said it. But it's, <laughs> yeah, that's what you it's, were it's being the, very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, it's the condition, you know? It's the condition that we're going through. And just like with women, like, women should be chemically imbalanced. Y'all go through things we don't go through, okay? If you can make a baby for nine months, a, this is a chemical equation. And, mm-hmm. and it, excuse me. And then expel it. <laughs> Just like that. Like, I have seen postpartum depression. Yep. I have seen it firsthand yep. and had to acknowledge it. Yep. And not just brush it off. You know what I mean? No. As a woman real. being a woman. And like we everybody like, we have to stop in our tracks, man, and realize what's right and what's wrong, man. Mm-hmm. And and realize the things that need to be corrected. Yep. Um one one of the big 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 the biggest one of the biggest issues i have right now is the relationship between black men and black women and yeah all of y'all are wrong i'm telling y'all right now all of y'all are wrong like everybody like get on their soapbox all these dudes get on their soapbox take up for the dudes all these girls get on their soapbox take up for the women do y'all understand that we need to get out of these soapboxes and come together because we need each other because no other no I mean everybody has their issues but you don't see white men and white women battling each other yo mm-hmm. like you don't see that at all and it's like and I know I know this was this was this was how this system was designed mm-hmm. we we had a systematic we have been systemically broken to pieces yep. but but if you understand the systemic you can also understand all right what can i do with the person i see in the mirror to help change this mm-hmm. so that, that's why that's one of the reasons why because mm-hmm. we just have a lot to change oh yeah one of my friends described it as a, as a major undoing yeah oh i like that a major undoing i like yeah. that a lot i mean think about it we were on boats for years mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. we were being broken for years before we got mm-hmm. on the boats and then yep. we had to travel for years and continue to be broken down into small pieces and then yep. we got here to literally get broken some more 
still getting broken. Still, still continue to get broken. But to your point, we do have to look at the man in the mirror at some point, or the woman in the mirror at mm-hmm. some point, and say, you know, when am I going to be the change that I want to see? Um, yeah, and, and the work is not easy. Yeah, we can absolutely. But I'm gonna tell you what though, and all the wrongness of my people and the wrong that we've been done, I absolutely love being black. Let me tell you. You can, oh my gosh. It's indescribable. It is. You you can't, you can't replicate. You you can't, me me and Isiyama can just look at each other sometime, like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, we uh, go through it every day. It's like, especially the higher up we get. Oh my yeah. God, man. And, and then, you know, that's what I mean by being alone. Like, it's not a lot of us, man. Yeah. Even if we, when you talk about the squares and all that, it's not a lot of us, man. <laughs> yeah, I tell my kids all the time, be a nerd. They live a good life. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, all the time. Yeah, um, I agree. Be a nerd. <laughs> I, agree. I mean, because I, you know, yeah. I mean, I recognize what happened when I decided to stop being a nerd. Mm-hmm. It, it, the shift happened so quick. I mean, I still yeah. was, I was nerdish. Yeah. I wasn't a full-fledged nerd anymore because <laughs> I, I was too busy trying to be social and yeah. be cute and being a no and making poor choices and, you know, trying to be messy because I thought that was the popular thing to do and, you yeah. know, and all of that. And now granted, there was, to your point of a support system, you know, I had parents and family members, you know, in and around me all the time reminding me of like, now you, girl, you know better. You know what I yep. mean? So that's why I was able to be nerdish. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and still remember what was, you know, important at the end of the day and being where Absolutely. I am. But um, okay. We're gonna move on. All right. So what is your first and best childhood memory? I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you, all right. I don't tell a lot of people that it's like most of my childhood memories are of my dad being on drugs. Mm. And I, I I can't even lie about it. Mm. <laughs> like all of my early memories in life, like that's all I remember. That's mm. all I remember. Mm. Like mm. I'm talking about, I still remember the color of the syringes. Mm. And this is like over 30, 35 years ago. So mm. that's, oh. that's what sticks out. Really? Yep. So, so are there happy memories though? Um, so honestly, the whole the whole art of my dad being on drugs gave me. Um, you remember Karate Kid, the, the first one, not the new, but the yeah, first yeah. one. You yeah. know, he got dancing, doing all that stuff, and he didn't like. It gave me a lesson that I didn't even know that I learned. Okay. What was um, that? it taught me about resiliency before I even knew about it. You know mm. what I mean? And um just seeing my dad go through that and the struggle and seeing how hard it was at first and to see him overcome that and to see that he did it for us it's like that was a fully ingrained lesson like from beginning to end and I didn't even know it and I I just stopped one day when I was like 20 something and just realized that like I I have some strength that I didn't even know I have and I can draw from something from somebody else that I didn't even have to go through yeah Cause yeah, you're the um, youngest. You're the youngest of four, right? No, mm-hmm. four, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Were you the most so, resilient? 
<laughs> well, I don't know. My sister, my sister, my sister is bad. My sister is. She's very. She's the oldest. Sister, yeah. Okay. My sister went to Carolina and dude. Uh, she down there in Atlanta. She oh, work at is it is it Grayson Hospital or Gray Grady Grayson? Grady Grady. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My sister's a doctor. Okay. Well, so you so know she was so much older. Yeah. I vaguely she, remember her. I remember your brother. Yeah, she grew up. Age. You know, she grew up with my grandparents outside of Charlotte. So. Okay. No, I didn't know. That. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. she wasn't around a lot, but yeah, I probably call her the most resilient. I ain't even gonna take that from her. So she saw it early and was like, "This is what I need to do," or somebody else saw for her what she needed to do. Yeah. Yeah, she was um, shoot, she was pregnant with her son right after she was about to enroll in Carolina, and um, mm. that, that support system my parents were there for, you know, yeah. and they helped her get through. I, I, and I just look at moments like that, like you know, anything could have happened where she could have slipped through the cracks, you know, if her support right. system wouldn't have stepped up for her at the time. Yeah. So. Wow. That's awesome. Have you said like any of that out loud before? Mm -mm. What was the hardest decision you had to make and who did it impact? <sighs> the hardest decision I've ever had to make is when my family split apart. Mm -hmm. And of course it affected my children. Mm -hmm. um, because like, oh Lord, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started. Um, you know, I was a family man, you know what I mean? I had we were together for 20 years. Um 20 years? Yeah. But um That's awesome. Things happen. Well, it was awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, because I mean think the black family. Yeah, you know, um we we went through a lot from the very beginning and um yeah, it it, it just didn't work. And you know, a lot of situations like that is hurtful when people do stay together. Yeah. And um, um, I'm still not over that to this say, day. Are you, you know? I was gonna ask, are because you still hurting? Like, yeah, because that's something that you don't, you know, that's a wound that doesn't close, man. Like when you don't see your kids anymore, like you too. Yeah. Like, man, my kids are like my best friends, you know? And, yeah, um, yeah it's just, it, it was just needed, though. Yeah. I think things would have been worse, you know, if we would, I mean, you have, we have to make hard decisions as adults, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. you know, it was a hard decision. And um, I think we're better for it, you know? But, um, man, situations like that, um, I, I don't know. I don't wish that on anybody. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's um, you asked the hard questions for a reason, right? I do, but that, I, you know, I won't. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to bring out. I wasn't trying to make it difficult or emotional for you. No, but I, I will tell you though, I feel honored that you feel like you can be that vulnerable in front of me. And I feel to your point about being um, a black man in in the United States of America, being a, a black man in general. You know, you don't have to. You're you don't appear to um, be someone who feels like they have to cry in the dark. And so that 
it that speaks volumes within itself and you don't know who may hear this and feel like I can do the same like you know I was able to listen to this man's story and hear you know some of his pain and him be vulnerable in front of a, a black woman for one you know what I mean because I think that's probably part of the hardest part you know you don't want to appear you know weak or um less yeah. strong um less strong in when I and when I say less strong I mean like in your community because we're we're a community yeah. of people right you know what I mean and that's not historically that's not popular you know what I mean it's definitely you know against the grain so you know how, man, you know what messes me up like the two men that taught me that it was all right to cry are Tupac and Allen Iverson Two of the hardest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, like said, all these dudes, like, y'all got it wrong. Like, yeah. that, the, the realest dudes we ever had taught me it was okay to cry. That's what's being real. That's what you have tear ducts for. Yeah. You preaching right now. With that being said, um, when you hear the quote, so I'll preface it. Eric Thomas is one of my favorite um, motivational speakers. Him mm -hmm. and Ike Johnson. Ike Johnson specifically is from this area or from an area called Kirkwood here. And I just love listening to their messages because I feel like they are not they're They keep you humble and they're humbling messages mm -hmm. because they're not above your head. They're not trying to use, yeah. you know, these large, you know, larger than life words. And yep. I think when you keep it simple, you reach more, more people, you can reach the masses. And so he was reading he was saying this quote and I heard it and I was like man this is perfect for this interview with you and and the quote is repetition deepens impression what comes up for you when you hear that repetition deepens impression mm -hmm. <sighs> what I get from that personally and I could be wrong but what I get from that is like when you know your shit, you know your shit. Mm. <laughs> That's what I get from it. Because, um, you know, like with what I do, like if I had to go to a speaking engagement with some kids or whoever, like I don't need time to, I don't need to train for it because this is what I do every day. Mm. I, I do this every day. Yeah. I don't have to write anything down. Um, this is my life. This is what I'm living. And like, you can tell the difference between people. Just like we talk about something like the NBA. You can tell the difference between somebody that's just in the NBA and somebody that loves the game of basketball because they're giving it their all. Yep. They walk, they're truly walking in their gift. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and they practice and they work on their craft. And that's right. when you talk about repetition. If you don't give yourself the repetition, mm -hmm. you're not going to be as deep as the other person that's been working that hard. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that would you know, have no. anything to do with what you were saying. Spot on. Spot on. <laughs> I mean, because it it's what it means to you. That's why I'm like, what comes yeah. up for you when you hear it? And if it yeah. means you own your stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody can take that away from you, to your point. Yeah, like, yeah. if you've been preparing and practicing, whether you were intentional about it, you do it all the time, enough to even leave an impression, you know yeah. what I mean, on, on your audience. But they can feel your preparation, which I say, you know, preparation breeds progress. And so um, that's, it's, that's spot on. It's what it means to you. You know what I mean? And that's why I asked the question because I feel like 
what you're doing for your, even for yourself and for the community, you know, being a food fighter. And I want you to tell us how you came up with that. Um, being a food fighter means you are intentionally trying to make sure you do something every day to yep. decrease the number of people that are hungry for whatever it is, whether it's peace of mind, which it sounds yep. like to you, that's a piece of it. Peace of mind or literally having something to eat. Yep. Um, whatever that hunger or whatever that desire is, you know, whatever they're desiring to feed, mm -hmm. it sounds like that's what you're fighting for. So can you tell it, tell the audience, like, how did you come up with the term food fighter? Why, why you do that? I, thought you, I was waiting on you to get that question. So look, people, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> so I'm gonna be honest with you. People were like, boy, this dude a mess. So I was on this dating website and I didn't want to say what job that I went. And that's, a, that's the only reason I came up with that, okay? <laughs> You were on a dating website and what? No, I, I didn't want to put my full job title up there because I didn't want anybody to know like fully where I worked at, but I do want people to know what I do. And so I just came up with the coin. Uh, I don't even know if I came up with it or not. It just popped in my head that night. You came and up with I it? Used it? Huh? That, you came up with it. That's dope though. So that's the thing, like your ideas come out of the best Great. ideas. Come out of the craziest, like the places you would never imagine. Never. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get me off these dating websites, man. No, apparently we don't because it is serving the greater good because you keep coming up with all these good ideas. Whether you find a person or not, yeah. I <laughs> you hear are you. finding your purpose. I hear you. I hear you. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to wrap this up. This is my favorite part. Okay. one of my favorite parts of the show if you will because okay. this part is called finish these statements so okay this portion of the show finish these statements so i'm gonna say a statement and you gotta fill in the blank all right. all right i am i am striving nice my favorite song is <laughs> james brown try me <laughs> That's try right. me I love it. My why is? My why is, why is there so many human beings on this planet with no common sense? <laughs> you asking a question. I'm asking you why. Who, who is the why? What are you doing what you're doing? Who are you doing what you're doing for? <sighs> for the voiceless, for the powerless, for the weak, mm. for the people who can't stand up for themselves or don't know how to stand up for themselves. That's dope. That's absolutely appropriate. Okay. People think I am, but I am really. People think I'm crazy, but I'm just mad. Okay. I get really nervous when? When my kids are in need. Mm. That hit different. When I hear blank, I'm running to the dance floor. <laughs> Nothing, because I don't dance. <laughs> That's what to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, you have really changed if you run to the dance floor. Anyway, that's yeah, I don't wanna, I'm not running to no. You know what? If, 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 if the lottery went aside, if the lottery went aside, <laughs> come the, on. The ching, ching, ching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're running that, to the dance floor then. That, that's funny. I know all the lines, too. Almost every gangster rap song from the 90s. Um, <laughs> Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood. 
for sure. Timeless pieces. <laughs> yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. What? <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. This ascension of our people. Y'all ain't stopping this. I mean it. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, family, this concludes episode 11 of Documenting Dreams. I want to thank my special guest, Nick Robertson, my homeboy, founder of the Raleigh Relief Project, the food fighter who is driving his purpose, whether it's on a dating app or in real time <laughs> on the streets of Raleigh. We are grateful for what you are doing. I know I am. It's nice to know that I'm six hours away and that there are still people taking care of the community that I love and, you know, so appreciate all the things that I gained from it. And to know that there are people out there that still want to protect it, like you and my sister, you know, and the Brian Burnett's of the world and all the other people that are out there that we grew up with, Isayama for sure, um, that want to continue to protect what is you know, it's a part of our history. You know what I mean? Um, it's so important that we have people that want to do the thing, the work, that we're, the work that we're doing. And I'm glad that you agreed to be one of the front runners. So thank you so much for being here. I can't wait for the Dreamers family to hear the things that you're sharing. And I hope that someone will find you and reach out to you and decide that they want to duplicate the uh, the things that you're doing in the community. So thank you again, and um, can't wait to hear more about what you're doing. All right. Well, I appreciate the invite. Um, love what you're doing as well. So let's keep it up. You have me on the next episode. I'm going to be out on dating sites by then. So y'all help a brother out. Okay. All right. <laughs> help a brother out. That is the end of the show, family. Appreciate you. <laughs>